The scripture for today's sermon comes from 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 3, 4. The word of God speaks to us. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who from God, that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And we might impart this in words not taught by human, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord as so to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? This is God's words to us. Hey, my name is Chad. I I think I know a lot of you, but like I'm one of the pastors here. And, and let me give one caveat on that. I'm one of the pastors who got the opportunity to help plant this church. And I say that specifically because we're in a section of the Bible in which we've got the Apostle Paul writing to a church that he helped plant. And so there's some things in here that are just... I. I I wouldn't say in any way that I am like Paul. I wish I was far more like that, but like I resonate with some of the things that come out in this text as we're in 1 Corinthians looking at it. So if you have your Bible, uh, I hope that you would turn to it, whether it's on a device or whether it's actual printed page. If you don't own a Bible, we have those for you. They're over here on the table, and you can take one of those with you. So we want to jump in. We want to see that. We're in a section of 1 Corinthians in which Paul is addressing divisions in the church. He's addressing that there uh, are, are divisions among the people of God. He's, he's, making, he's been making contrasts, and he, he's been really contrasting certain things to help make this point. There are people who, who are, are thinking, well, well, this is what wisdom looks like. And, and he's like, no, there's worldly wisdom and there's godly wisdom. There, there's an aspect in which there's, he's contrasting power and what real power looks like, what godly power looks like as opposed to just like uh, fake power. Like this is what he's talking about last week when Bryce was talking about, like, I didn't come preaching to you with fancy words or, or, or bombast. I, I came in the power of the gospel, giving you these things. And, and here we have this section of the text is giving a contrast again. He'll, once we get into chapter 3, he'll give this contrast between what is godly maturity and immaturity. It makes this contrast, but it's all part of a larger thing. So we're not just talking about babies and growing up. We're not talking about meat and milk. It's all serving a larger conversation around division. And division isn't just a, a conversation for someone else. It isn't just for this time with Corinth. It's, it's something that all of us face, all of us are familiar with. It's true for the church in every age. And yet the invitation is also true. The call of Jesus is true. This call for people in Corinth and people in Yukon to live differently. 
to live differently, to be countercultural people, to be a presence living differently in the city and for the city, to be a blessing to those around us and not a burden, to be a picture of God's great love to a watching world. That's an invitation that we would, we would live, that they would see our hope and our joy and our perspective is that of people of a different kingdom, a different king. And yet, there's so many people in this little church in which their lives looked far more like the city than their savior. And that's what Paul's getting at. There's divisions in the church. And so this morning, we're going to look at, in three different turns in this. We're going to look at the gift that is there for us. It, Paul starts with this gift that we have in and through God's grace in our lives. And then we, he highlights a problem that's at work, a problem that all of us have, the people in Corinth and the people in Yukon, all of us have to face and address. We don't just get to kind of like acknowledge it and move on. There's a, there's a problem at work, and, and that's at the heart of the divisions that are at play. And then there's an appeal. Paul gives an appeal that is right here for each of us, and that's what we want to look at. And so I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to pray for me that we would be people who move past just going through the motions and that we actually experience the love of God the Father today. Father, we, we need you. We pray that your love would be felt and experienced today through the work of Jesus Christ. And we know that it is the Spirit moving those things in us. And so we, we pray that you'd help us to do more than sit up straight, more than just sit still for an hour, uh, that we would spend the next 20, 30 minutes actually looking to you and spirit move us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, here we are in this text, and I want to pick it up in verse 12. And I'm just going to read 12 and 13 to us, and we'll just start right here. Now, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that, here's why we've received these things, here's why it's been given to us, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this not in words, pardon, pardon me, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Now, we have this text, like we have this given to us right here. We have, we have this spirit talk and language that is here. Now, this is present here in our lives. But we know in context, we know by having read through this and reading through it, that there are problems in this church. They're split. And even the last verses that were read are about like, if you're following Apollos and you're saying this about Apollos and you're following Paul, what's he getting to? There's a division here. There's a split happening. Division is, is not something that I need to define for you. Like, I think we all understand where that gets. But let me, let me give you a picture instead of a definition around that. This past week, I, I, I was reading and came across this story uh, of an arrest made, a family in crisis. And, and here's what happened. There was a father a daughter and a son who got into a squabble. And listen, families, families get after it sometimes. But not like this, okay? Not like this. 
the father and the daughter were arrested. Arrested because of a dispute that arose over Chinese takeout food. Let that sink in for just a second. Let the sodium hit you as you hear that. I, like, I, just full discretion or, or full disclosure, I have more questions than answers around this. I, I have all sorts of things. The second confession I need to make is I love Chinese food. I, too, love Chinese food. And I have a family myself. And so, like, I'm in on this story. I'm like, okay, I need to pay attention to it. I need to pay attention to everything that's going on right here in this. But, like, before we move on to the main point of why I bring this up, you need to know that this isn't just any squabble over Chinese food. Like, you ate more of the Kung Pao than I did. This is, like, it moved to father and daughter being arrested on aggravated assault and strangulation. Florida, man. Crazy stuff. Aggravated assault and strangulation. At its most basic, at the most fundamental level of a story like this, is you have a misplaced, like, understanding of priorities, right? You have, like, everything got out of whack. All perspective, everything got, went crazy. And then just at its most basic, there is division and brokenness in this family over Chinese food. They lost perspective of what really matters, Chinese food over, like, family in this. And here's why I bring it up. Because sin, sin will take you further than you ever thought you'd go. I don't know a family that's like, yeah, I'm going to beat up my kid for this. Sin will take you further than you ever thought you'd go. It'll take you there faster than you ever thought you could get there. It, will, it, it turns wrong into right. It, it changes friend into foe. And suddenly you start looking at your son or your daughter. Or you start looking at people like, this is my enemy. You start looking at your brother or your sister. And you start thinking, these people are against me. It turns things that are, are good and precious. And it flips it on its head into being things that are like terrible and scary. Sin will take you further than you ever thought you'd go, and faster than you ever thought you'd get there. And that is true for all of us. And friends, like, let's not dance around this. Division, divisiveness is sin. It is sin. It's not one we talk about a lot, right? It's not one that, we, that gets all the publication. We, we go through the week and we're like, oh, I didn't do this or that. I, I, didn't, I didn't run away. I didn't murder someone this week. I didn't, get a, I didn't get arrested for strangling my kid over Chinese food. I'm not that bad. Like, but divisiveness is sin. It's a weed creeping in in this, this garden of our lives, of our church. It, it creeps in everywhere. And and it will affect families, and it will affect churches. It will affect anything. Divisiveness is a, a weed that goes in there. Now, hear this. Hear me when I say this. There is room for disagreement. We're not talking about disagreement. There is room for strong opinions that don't agree. There's room for all those things. What we're talking about is where we move to division. We move to divide. Because the Bible makes a strong statement. It makes these bold statements of those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. It makes these statements that they're now adopted. 
So if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, it isn't just something that happened. It's that something has happened to you. You are adopted into the family of God. This is why we talk about it. We're, we're, it isn't just a clever catchphrase that we say. Like, we want to be family. We're trying to embody this in, in some real way, in a tangible way in which we live this out. If you are adopted into the family of God, that's not a solo project. You have siblings. And then the picture changes as well. Paul talks about, like, you're, you're not just uh, separate things. You're part of the body, connected in the body of Christ. And when we forget this reality or we, we ignore it or allow ourselves to be bothered by others and not see them as a blessing, then we start to see this root system of division creeping in. And notice that Paul starts with a gift. See, that's our first point. He starts with this gift, the, the theological. He's intentionally starting with the theological soil in which all of this grows. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. You see, this, this is amazing. The spirit who is given to us by God. It's incredible. I had someone recently come up to me and say, like, I can't wait until we get to the later chapters of 1 Corinthians because I'm so fascinated with, I'm so fascinated with the, the Spirit's work. And yet what we need to catch is that right here in 2, particularly 10 through 16, chapter 10, 10 through 6, or 2, 10 through 16, is like there's more talk about the Spirit's work right here in this chapter than there is in chapter 12 and 14 combined. The Spirit's at work. And Paul starts right here with this theological soil of this gift of the Spirit has been given to you in Christ to remind them of the Spirit's activity and to reframe them their ideas of what real spirituality looks like. What it really looks like. You see, because we live in an age, we, I'm sure it was true in their day, it's certainly true in our day, in which it's common for people to kind of like see themselves as spiritual, but not religious. And maybe you know those people, maybe you are this person, and, and I'm not making light of it. It's a common saying, and it's simple to say. I saw an article the other day, which was like, why does your gym feel more like a spiritual retreat? You're like, wait, what? Huh? Like, it's, it's common. We have people who think they're spiritual but not religious. And, and it usually means I'm, I'm spiritually open, but I'm not really into organized religion. Like, the church just isn't for me. I'm open to all sorts of things, uh, like the, the spirit. I, I recognize that there are more than just atoms and plasma moving around in this world. I recognize that we're, we're more than just creatures on a rock. There's something, there's something bigger than all of us. But I'm just not really interested in, in religious things. But according to the way of Jesus, revealed by the spirit through the Bible, these people are actually... Religious but not spiritual. Religious but not spiritual. They're seeking meaning in a world. Uh, they're, they're seeking something supernatural in a world without actually the supernatural. Worshiping something or, or someone, even if it's just themselves. 
And I say this, I'm, I, I say this because what we read right here, what we see in these words is that spiritual isn't a mindset. It's a gift received. It's a gift received. It says specifically, now we have received the spirit now we have, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Paul starts with this gift, and then he moves right here, and it almost immediately moves into a problem. He comparing, he's comparing and contrasting something right here. And we need to catch this, because we, here's what we've received, but here's the problem. Verse 14 says, the natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God. For their folly to him. Their folly to him. And he is not able. Now we're, now we're having an ability conversation. It's not even possible. He's not able to understand them. Why? Why? Why is that? Because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges, judges things, judges all things, but to himself, is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Question, rhetorical question. Like the answer is no, no one. But Paul doesn't end there. He says, but we have the mind of Christ. You see, that's really important. So get Paul's contrasting, like here's, here's what spiritual life looks like. And here's what natural fleshly life looks like. Like, there's an ability here that's possible. And you can't be spiritual without the spirit at work in you. You can be all sorts of other things. But you can't be spiritual without the spirit of God working. Paul, in essence, is, gives a Wikipedia definition to what the, the spirit's works are. He's, he's given a real quick, brief, and direct explanation of all these things. He, he's holding up a light in the darkness. Without the Spirit, he says, I mean, bully, without the Spirit, nobody can know the work and the wisdom of the Spirit. And so in context, there are frustrations that are happening in this little church. There, there are fractures happening. Some of them are around like, well, Apollos is cool, but Paul's not. Apollos is, he seems strong, he's a great teacher, or whatever Apollos is, but Paul's something different. Or this seems like the right thing to do, uh, uh, but we want to do this. There's all sorts of things happening. They come out of like worldly wisdom and twisted ideas of, of power and popularity that look, look far more like the way of Corinth than the way of Christ. And Paul just puts a point on it and says, but we have the mind of Christ. We don't think like Corinth does. We don't think like Yukon does. We don't think like Oklahoma does. We have the mind of Christ. And what this means is that, like, why we need to really press in on this is that, like, when you find yourself at odds with somebody, and you will, I had to, I, I could even say you, you are right now maybe at this. Like when you find yourself at odds with somebody, when you find yourself like, man, that person is crazy. That person is nuts. That person, like how on earth could they be doing this? My neighbor is driving me crazy. I'm done with them. 
my coworker is doing this. When we find ourselves at odds, and we could give it a million illustrations of, of like where that would be, they ate my lo mein. You find yourself at odds at, at the like lowest level on this whole thing is that person, whether they are a believer in Jesus Christ or not, that person is an image bearer of God. Follow me? And it, if that person is a believer, they are not, not only an image bearer, they're adopted child of God. And not only are they adopted child of God, they are your family if you are an adopted child of God. And to ignore that or to push them away or to say they don't matter is sin. It's sin. Because the Spirit of God is at work in them. Not because they're right or not because they're doing it all right. And not because everything is, is good in their life. But because the Spirit is at work in them. I love Paul. Like Paul just keeps kind of going to this. And this isn't the only place where he addresses these things. You get into Philippians and Paul is in chains because people have lied about him. Paul is arrested and he's wrestling with that. And then you get to like chapter 2. And he has these words. It starts, chapter 2, verse 1 starts with, so. Which means it's coming out of something else, right? It's coming out of chapter 1. It's coming out. So, and, and so what does so mean? And what is so referring to? Well, chapter 1, verse 27 says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Like the way that you live. The way that you live is different because of what Jesus has done. Let your life be different. And then he gets to, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, if the person that, if, if you're with people in your life and there's encouragement between you and Christ, like they're a believer, there's someone who has this. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, Any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. That's the second time that comes up right here. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It goes on. It doesn't stop there. And by the time you get to chapter 4, he's naming people in Philippi who are fighting. He's naming and saying, all of you do something to bring them back together. Fight for this. Bring them back together. Man, Paul is going to it, and here's where he makes the turn to actually appeal to these people to live different. Paul like just goes directly to the tension. He goes right to it, and he goes to it with the touch of a lumberjack. So this week and next week, there are going to be two pictures, and let me just be honest, one's better than the other. 
Okay, so uh, it, one's better than the other. But Paul goes there. It's an appeal to, to uh, like, live differently in your life. There may be, there certainly is an appeal on every page of Scripture to trust and believe in Jesus. There is that appeal. There's this appeal of the gospel that is crying out from every page that says, this God is different. Trust and believe in him. But this appeal right here is even more specific. It goes into it because he's not talking to people who don't know Jesus. He's speaking and appealing to the church. He's appealing to those who do know Jesus, who the spirit has been given to. Notice what he says right here. Verse 1, chapter 3. But I, brothers, that's not the language of just anyone who picks this up. Brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Infants in Christ. See, Paul is challenging. He's challenging them about their divisiveness right now. And he's like, man, I want to go right to it. But you're living just like Corinth. You like to think that you're spiritual and mature, he's saying, but and that you understand the deep, meaty things of God rather than depending on milky baby food. But when you squabble and you divide like this over stupid things like Paul and Apollos, which are you really? He goes on. Verse 2. He says, I fed you with milk, not solid food. For why? Why did he why did you get milk all the time and not solid food? For you were not ready for it. And on top of that, even now you're not ready. For you are still of the flesh. See, what's happening is that these people, even though they're in the church, are still living exactly like they're sick. They're still living exactly like they're sick. And here's an important thing for us. The Corinthians don't need a different diet. Like this is, this is uh, central the milk that he's been giving him, giving these people is the gospel. The milk that from the very beginning is the gospel. He has been giving them this hope in Jesus. And the meat is the gospel. So what's the difference? What is the difference and why does that matter? Like well, they don't need to change, they, they don't need to change that. He keeps giving them meat and they keep like longing for lo mein. They keep wanting some other thing. They keep wanting the, the, the food of Corinth and the food all around them. And he keeps giving them this milk and saying, no, this gospel changes how we live and interact. And you know why it matters? Because like the gospel is simple enough for even a child to understand. It's so, it's simple that a child can understand that you can't clean yourself up, that only God can rescue. That you're dead in your sins, and it's God who rescues. It's that but God, rich in, in mercy, while you were dead in your trespasses. While you were dead in your trespasses, rescued and loved. That is so simple, even a child. And anyone can come to that. 
the, the me part is like, yeah, but like I believe that, God. And I find myself in these situations around me that are really difficult to understand how to live out. It's exactly what the Corinthians are going through. They're going through all sorts of dynamics of a growing church and a complicated world and all sorts of, uh, of difficulties just bombarding them all the time. And he's like, we can't even get to those things because you keep squabbling over Apollos and Paul. Over how to set up the chairs and what color the carpet's going to be. Like, friends, this is not just for them. The Corinthians don't need a different diet. They need to grow up. They're, they're infants in Christ. And the contrast in Paul's mind is not between, uh, like, what type of food that we get them. It's, it's between actually preparing them and giving them the substance that they can handle. And I want you to hear this. Like, we practice daily what we really believe. And so we can say all that we want to. We can sing the songs again and again, and we can know them and really, really feel them when we're singing them, but we practice daily what we really believe. And I'm concerned that we have some of the same problems. It's certain that we live in a fallen world. We lived in a messed up place. We're bombarded by everything around us. Uh, there are difficulties that affect us and that come from the outside. But there's so many that come from the inside. Our divisions, our griping, our, our difficulties and, and struggles often come out of forgetting this great gift that we have in God. Gift of our adoption. Gift of being uh, wrapped into this family of God. Gift of the spirit at work in us and around us. It's God calling us. It's this appeal from God for us to grow up. To grow up. And what do I mean? How, do, how would I grow up? Well, I don't do any of these things. I'm not actively doing this. So I, let, me, let me give you a couple examples. If we're, if we're walking out of pragmatic ideas of like, well, if we just do this, like this would be convenient or this would be the right thing. If we're just thinking about efficiency or results first, man, we're, we're, we're thinking like uh, the world around us and not through the Spirit. We're not thinking about uh, the Spirit. If anything, the, the gospel is not efficient. But it is effective. It changes everything. You see, when we're like, we should just do this, we're using that language of worldly wisdom. But we also, we also do this through priorities. Like we get our priorities mixed up and we start thinking like the low main is more important than my daughter on these types of things. And we start fighting and squabbling over all things. We, we start thinking that numbers are the, the most important measurable for everything that we're doing instead of character. Instead of how we're living and acting. We think of our comfort. I... I Know people who were a part of a church that split a number of years ago over the pews and how comfortable they were. Like, we can come to church and think that, that, that the purpose of church is to make you as comfortable as possible. We miss the fact that, like, no, we gather to worship the name of Jesus. And to be refined and reformed and for him to work out in us and to bring glory to his name through all these things. 
See, when we start to talk like, if they would just listen to me, if they would just listen to me, well, then, uh, then it would all work out. Then things would all work out. We have the language of division creeping into our lives. I'll give you an example. Like, I, I got phone calls when we moved to two services here. I got phone calls about that because it wasn't convenient for certain things. And, and there were all sorts of, like, real things in there that, that people were talking about. And there were important points because we can disagree, right? And, and there is a spot for strong opinions, but not to divide over preference or priority. I got ahead of myself. Preference is that third one. How many churches have split over the style of music? The style of music that we get to play. Or like we have to wear certain things or look a certain part for these types of things. How many, how many times are we splitting over style or surface level likes and dislikes? It's, it's when we start kind of talking or thinking like this. If they, if they knew what was cool or trendy or right or, or the, the fun stuff, if they knew what was good or tasteful, uh, then that's the language of preference that leads to the family of God dividing over stupid TikTok. You see, babies, babies are cute. There's no way around it. We got a baby right here, and we're excited for this baby. Babies are cute. Like, they are. But we expect them to grow up. If we, if we keep diving into the picture that Paul is painting, and, and Paul is putting out, like, babies are demanding. Babies are illiterate. They're ignorant of all the things that we're carrying and having to do. They are selfish little things. They have a short attention span. They're self-centered. They're dependent on others. They are, babies are ruled by their appetites. Ruled by their appetites. And friends, how we live in the moment to moment, the disagreements and the difficulties, those are revealers of how we're living, how we're walking and where our faith is. They're revealers of whether we're living and walking by the spirit or we're walking by the flesh far more than where you're sitting on Sunday morning matters. Far more. When we're walking in division, big or small, when we're walking in those things, it will separate the family of God. It will fracture the body. It will, it will fracture parts of the body and ultimately leave a sour taste to those around us who don't yet know Jesus. Our, te our text ends with this rhetorical question. It, it ends with these two questions that come out in three and four. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? See, with Paul... With Paul, these questions aren't a trap. He's not trying to trap them. Paul's appealing them to something more. But the, the issue is, like, being a human isn't bad. Being a human is a gift, an image bearer of God. 
Being a human isn't bad. But we have the mind of Christ if you are in Jesus. And living just out of the flesh is not what you're called to. It's not walking in a manner worthy of the calling of God. It's not, it's not doing anything but leading to divisions and fractures of the body. But you have the spirit given to you. Live different because of it. Well, Paul will go on to point out what that looks like. He'll go on in the, the verses ahead to point that out. In fact, he, by verse 18, he's saying like they're, that they're being self-deceived and that they need to become fools. Fools by the world standard. Fools by those around them. Fools by what everyone outside of the, the faith would understand. They need to be fools so that they may become truly wise, full of wisdom, in God's ultimate contradiction of terms. He crucified Jesus. Like a king who came to die instead of a king who came to dominate. And I'll leave you with this. There are all sorts of application points. I hope that we're, we're not putting this on someone else or saying, well, if those people would clean up their act, like just hear yourself in that. Like, this isn't a them problem. This isn't just a Corinth problem. This is me, and this is you. Like, I, I leave you with this. Like, there should be all sorts of questions of where am I subtly going to? Where am I finding myself running to these things? But, but Scripture interprets Scripture, and it points us to something more. Scripture keeps shedding light on these things. And when we start to say, well, what would this practically look like in my life today? What's one way I could live this out? I run right back to Proverbs chapter 3. And I want you to hear this with fresh ears, spirit-filled ears to apply this. Proverbs chapter 3 says, let not, that's an active thing. Don't just allow something to happen in your life. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. It means if you turn that around, pursue steadfast love and faithfulness. Bind them around your neck. Like there's no way, this is not going anywhere. Unless my neck goes someplace, that's not going anywhere. Steadfast love and faithfulness is going nowhere. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So, for this reason, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. You see, this isn't just me and God doing all sorts of things with my face. Like, it's just, it's, this is just between me and God. No, it, it speaks to the world around us. You can't control them, but you can bind these things around your neck and write them on your heart. Trust in the Lord, not your own wisdom, not your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil and then catch this. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones.
those fractures, those breaks. Refreshment to your bones. And all the ways that we go through the motions of faith. This text is a loud appeal to us to turn back to Jesus and say, God, work in my life. Work in my life. Will you pray with me?